Jackson, friend and foe. America's Finest Watchmen here with you again. Thank you all for your kind letters and emails and you name it. And I want to send a real shout out to Mark. Really appreciate that kind email. Very nice. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Good friend of the show. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so if you want to uh, write me a letter, an email, it's Lee Jackson. LeeJacksonWatches at gmail.com. i got to think about where it is. Um, and please keep it clean and constructive. If you're going to be destructive, I'm not going to answer. Mm, I take my marbles and go home. Okay, I did want to, first of all, talk about something that's really bugging me. Yeah, I call it Japan Scam. And for those of you shaking your head going, what the hell is he talking about? I was looking on an unnamed source, which is an auction site we all know very well, and saw some watches I liked and sent an email to sellers based in Japan. Don't ask me why, but they like, they like this brand of watches to ask questions like, what is the dimensions of the watch? What's the size? Has it been serviced? Does it run? Things like that. Stupid questions that I would like to know before I plunk down my hard-earned money. And I'm sure you would too. So I sent it off to three different people, all in Japan, and no response. So I sent a second email and said, excuse me, I'm asking for an answer to a question so I might be able to purchase your watch. You think you can answer me? It's your second second uh, email. No response from all three. Then I sent a third email and said, hey, this is it. It's going to go on your feedback if you don't answer me simply because I don't believe you. I don't believe you're real if you're not going to answer this question. Besides the fact, how am I supposed to buy it? And I have a very good feedback. I have 100% feedback. So there should be no question that I'm not scamming them. Because I'm sure some of you are sitting back going, well, maybe they thought he was scamming them. Nope. No response from all three. Uh, I, I told you about this before, that what Japan, what some of, I shouldn't say all of Japan, but what some of the dealers in Japan are doing, in my opinion, is they're taking, somebody has a watch, and they take pictures of it, or send them pictures of it, and they put it up as if it's theirs. Same watch with different prices from different dealers. And when you ask a question, the answer they give you is either nothing, like I got, or I got one that just said, oh, my partner has it in his warehouse, and I asked him for pictures, and he said no. <laughs> what? 
What the hell are you people doing? How do you expect to sell things if people can't see them or ask a question? So I told these yo-yos that if they didn't answer me this time, I was going to report them or put it on their, their uh, feedback. That they're non-communicative and don't buy from them. So I'm telling you, watch out. If they're from Japan, it says they're clearly, you can tell, be really careful. They're scammers. I'm telling you, I call it Japan scam now. Why would you not want to answer someone when they have a question about the timepiece you want to buy? And we're not talking about cheap stuff. We're talking about expensive stuff. Oh, okay, I'll just buy it blindly and uh, see what happens. And if it's no good, oh, well, well, guess what? I haven't been scammed in all the years I've been doing this, and I'm not about to get scammed now. So, no, I do not recommend it at all. Do not buy from these people. Do anything with them if you can help it, because they're a bunch of friggin' scammers. So, next, I uh, contacted this auction website, <clears throat> which, by the way, is near impossible to do. If you ever try to contact them, they're really hard to get a hold of. They don't put their phone number out there. They want you to talk to their automated assistant that has no brains whatsoever. So you have to go through, jump through all kinds of hoops and fences just to get a phone number. So I finally got one and had somebody call me back. And I said, I want to report fraud. And they said, really? I said, yep. I told them the story and they said, well, because you didn't buy from them, we can't really do that much. But I will file a report and put it on their, in their, I guess in their files or whatever. And I said, you guys should investigate because these are people that when they buy, they're, they're going to have nothing but aggravation because they're scammers. They're not telling the truth, whatever it is. And the guy from email, from, uh, excuse me, unmentioned, said, well, this is the best we can do and yada, yada, yada. And I said, what is this all about? Why are these people doing, well, I'm going to put on there they're non-communicative and uh, they're a problem. I said, okay, fine. I just want other people to know these guys. I'm not buying from them, period. They can jump, they can stand on their head. I'm not buying from them, but I'm sure a lot of you will. And a lot of you are going to get scammed because these guys are scammers. If they will not answer me, that's what I would consider them as scammers. And they can argue with me all day long. No, we're not scammers. Well, guess what? This is not the way we do it. The way we do it is you want to buy something, you can't hold it in your hand. You can't touch it. So you have to be able to ask as many questions as you wish. Get as many pictures as you wish. I think one of them I asked to see the movement, a picture of the movement, because they don't have any pictures of the movement. And, of course, no answer, nothing. And I warned them, and I said, it's up to you. You know, you want to continue this way, it's only going to hurt your sales. And I don't have a problem reporting someone or any of that. I don't. They shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be in a place where you're expected to have rules of behavior that are conducive to sales and to customer service. That's what it's all about. Well, it's pretty strange if you ask me, but that's a Japan scam. And if you want the names of these sellers, I'm not going to put it on the uh, podcast Drop me a line and I'll tell you the names of these people to watch out for. But I can tell you the one factor that they all have is Japan. 
So if you see people selling from Japan, I mean, even the guy that I bought from that was really good, I asked him uh, about a watch. It was, I think, a couple months ago. I asked him about a watch, and he said, oh, I can't help you. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go again. Japan scam all over again. So, I mean, I was in the business for many, many years, as you all know, and I can tell you that a lot of times you can't buy all the inventory yourself and sit on it if you don't turn your merchandise fairly quickly. So what people do, they'll go to a place that has the physical merchandise, take pictures, put it up, and if it sells, you just get it from the whoever. A lot of people do that, not, not with all their stuff, but with some things they do that with. That way they don't have to lay out the money until it sells. Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? Except look what it does to us. When you have people that are legit, they would answer your questions, they would show you pictures, whatever. Even if they didn't have it, they'd go get pictures and go find out, big deal. But these people, I don't know what their deal is, but something really funky is going on. And I've been talking about this for months. And it just seems to be getting worse instead of better. And until somebody cracks down on this stuff, it's just going to continue. And it makes me very nervous when I think I could have laid out tons. I mean, some of these pieces were expensive. I could have laid out tons of money and been ripped off altogether. Now, those of you that say to me, well, you know, you would be, um, you'd be taken care of by the auction house. You'd be indemnified is the word I was looking for. The answer is, if you do everything they ask you to do, they will indemnify you to a degree. But what happens if it's really expensive and you return it or it never shows up or something? And they usually will go back to the seller and grab the money right out of their account. What if the seller is a fly-by-night and they're not around, they don't have the money, whatever? Then what happens to your money? Do you get indemnified or not? I haven't found out. I've only done this. I've only had these problems with inexpensive, fairly reasonably priced stuff. You know, a couple hundred bucks here and there, 50 bucks. I haven't tried in our thousands, nor do I want to. And I will tell you this. If you deal with this big auction company, you must follow their rules or you will get screwed altogether. They will say to you, hey, you didn't follow our procedure. We're not going to help you. And they will do it. So here's what I recommend. When you have a problem, a return, something didn't show up, whatever, you call them up. They also have a uh, automated like a chat box. And you ask them, what should I do? And they'll tell you, here's what you do. You wait for this, you do that. If you do everything they tell you to do, nine times out of ten, they will take care of you. But I have had instances where I have done stuff on my own and didn't call them or ask them. I just did what I thought was the right thing. And I got screwed. They said, hey, you didn't listen to us. So, you know, you want to be a pain. I hate to say it, because normally you wouldn't want to be a pain, but in this case, you want to be a pain in their ass. You really do. Otherwise, if you don't bug them, you're not going to get your money back correctly. And I've had all kinds of issues, people fighting me on stuff, you know, where I've gotten things that were just ruined. And they're like, you did it. I'm like, no, I didn't do it. Sorry, that's the way it came. And I had to fight them. And they tried to short-circuit me, 
and tried to tell this big company that it was all me. But I had everything documented. I called them. I did everything they said. And I told them they are going to call up. They're going to try to discredit me. I can just tell what they're saying on these emails. Plus, when you go back and forth in emails to any of these people, the company can look at those emails and they will. So be very, very careful what you're saying, what you're doing. Don't ever threaten anybody because that'll get you thrown out altogether. And be very careful and do everything by the book. You know, don't get don't get personal, don't get mad. You know, hello, I'm sending this back, this thing doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. That's it. Matter of fact. And then you tell the company, hey, here's, and they can look. They can look at all, oh, I've had this happen where it went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story that I think is really unbelievable. This has nothing to do with watches, but it does have all to do with eBay. Uh, a while back, I came into some old ladies' purses. So one of them I bought years and years and years and years and years ago, like 30 years ago. It was a big brand. I put it up at zero. I figured, what the hell? The, there was an expensive purse. I think I remember it being 400 bucks, something like that. And a very, very desirable brand. And it sold for $5. And I was really not pissed. I was just disappointed. And I said, you know what? I'm still going to honor it no matter what. And I sent the purse. And the person on the other end said, this isn't real. And I said nicely, I said, it is real because I remember buying the damn thing from the company, their store. And, oh, no, no, that's impossible. I want my money back. I'm like, you want $5 back? I'll give you your $5 back. Well, I want the shipping. I said, you're not getting the shipping. You got the product. There's nothing wrong with it. There's something wrong with you. And we went back and forth, and they, they were just an idiot, a young idiot kid. And they didn't realize. They said, look, I'm the one who bought this damn thing years ago. I know what it is. It's not phony. It's real, and you only pay five dollars. I went back and forth and back and forth, letter after letter, and they're bugging me. They wanted to ship it. I gave them the five dollars immediately. I go, you can have your five dollars back, no problem. But I'm not giving you shipping. You got the product. I paid to ship it. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with this product. So we went back and forth, and they, they were kind of not calling me names, but telling me I was you know, nuts. And I was very careful what I sent back, sent back in the emails. And finally, I called up eBay and I just, look, this is ridiculous. And they read through all my emails because they have them all, the back and forth, and they just said, yeah, no problem. We'll give the person the, the shipping back. You don't have to. And I said, I'm not going to. There's nothing wrong with this piece. I gave them their money back. So it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how much money, it doesn't matter what it is. If you don't do it by the book, you will get screwed. And you, if you have a paper trail, which is emails back and forth, it's even better. Especially when they say really dumb things. You know, they accuse you of stuff and tell you you're bad and whatever. It's just ridiculously stupid, but it's okay. I have it on paper. All right, so that's it for that. 
I urge you, watch out for this Japan scam. It's real. I'm not uh, an alarmist or anything, but it is very off-putting when you're putting out your hard money and you're being some sort of scammed. It's some kind of scam. And those of you that say, no, I bought something and it came. Yeah, but they're not answering stuff. That's a scam right there. Why would they not? What does it do to help you not to answer a question from a prospective buyer who can't touch it and feel it and look at it himself? You know, if I had it in my hand, I could see the dimensions. I could open it up and look at the case. Look at the, the movement. I can't do that. So that's it for that. Okay, so today I wanted to talk about, here's a company that I like talking about, Tag Heuer. Now, Tag Heuer, in my youth, was a high-end watch. Originally, they started out as Hoyer, and they made chronographs, and they were a notch below Breitling. Uh, they were a sporty watch. They weren't that expensive. I mean, compared, if you're used to just run-of-the-mill, uh, like Seiko's and so on, it's a much better watch. So you're going up, up the chain here. But if you're talking about paddocks and so on, nowhere near there. But they're sporty watches, and I had one years ago, and I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. So in the 80s, I guess uh, Hoyer was in trouble. And they got bought out by a company called TAG, T-A-G. And that's why it says TAG Hoyer, H-E-U-E-R. Two different companies put together. And ever since TAG bought Hoyer, they have run amok with the brand in a good way. They've made, brought it back from the dead. Because it was nothing. And now it's a big name. They put a lot into it. I mean, they had a watch in the 60s called the Monaco, which is a square chronograph with a dark dial and, and light uh, register, square registers. Very popular. It was used, I'm trying to remember what it was used in. It was used in some racing movies. And it got really popular. They brought it back. It's an older watch from the 60s, and they bring it, they're making it today. And it, to me, it's an interesting watch. It's not my cup of tea, even though I like square. I like tanks, and I love to nose and tanks. It's kind of square. Square has never been one of my all-time favorite designs. And that means it's even on all sides. It's not a rectangle. Rectangles I like. Square, eh, it's okay. It, to me, it's, let's see, it's better than a round, but it is nowhere near what I would want to wear. Uh, for me, I like, I like the tank watch, the rectangle, and I love to know watches. I think they're so interesting looking. Okay, so they make the, the Monaco today. It's not cheap. It's 39 millimeter. It's an automatic chronograph, sapphire case. Uh, it has a, oh, it has a sapphire case back. Excuse me. So it has a, you can see it. Blue alligator strap, stainless steel case, 39 millimeters. Uh, expensive. Then another thing Tag Heuer came up with, which was a huge sensation in the 80s, was the U-Link bracelet. Remember those bracelets that are shaped like U's, butted up together? Very, very popular. Once you see one, you'll go, oh my God, I've seen that 50 zillion times. It's a real good look. But today it looks dated. So there's an uplink. I should say, not an uplink, an update on the U-Link watch. It's called the Link Watch. And it has the U-Links, but they they don't look as much U as they did. You can kind of get an idea. Yeah, it's kind of a look to the U-Link bracelet, but they've updated it and they've turned it more square. It's not rounded like it was. You have to look at it and check it out. It's a black chronograph, 
with a case bag, open case bag, steel case bracelet. My a friend of mine bought a tag card. He loves it. And I told him I'll get you something, you know, much better than that for the kind of money you're going to spend. And of course, he didn't listen. He ran off and bought a brand new tag card and paid a lot of money for it. And I said, good for you. Personally, I would have taken the money. And I've, I've said this how many million times on the year. I would have taken the money, the budget, and said, let me see what I can find for that budget. And nine times out of ten, I can find you so much more watch for that kind of money. Now, the name may not turn you on, unless you're a collector and you know the name. If you're just a regular guy on the street, the name may not turn you on. But, much better watch. It's going to hold its value. Better than a Tag Heuer will, I'll tell you that. I mean, I've had, and I know I've told you this, I've had so many people want Omegas, the sporty big Omegas, the Seamasters, and so on. And it's like, tell me how much money you want to spend, and I'll tell you some other names you can look at. I mean, to me, when I start looking at watches, and I see the pricing going up, 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 and I don't mean that they're raising prices. I'm talking about you looking at a list of pre-owned, and I, I start, always start at the low and go up. And as I go up in price, the quality, the freshness gets better, everything, the conditions get better, and so on. But at some point, I go, okay, here's a watch that I probably would really like, but look how much it is now. Look, you know, it's like $3,000 or something. And I'm like, what can I get for $3,000 or $2,000, whatever. And if you are realistic, and you're out for a great value rather than I gotta have this model, you'll do a lot better. And that's how I've always functioned. I always find the better deal. To me, that's half the fun. I don't know if you feel that way, but I do. So, um, Tag Heuer is good. They're expensive and they don't make their own movements. They may now. Um, they're hooked up with McLaren. They're hooked. They have ambassadors like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Cara Devigne, David Guetta, Tom Brady. Can you imagine Tom Brady? And their <laughs> and their slogan is "Don't crack under pressure." And they got a picture of Tom Brady. I'm looking at. And their watches are nice, but they're not great. They're plain looking. They're not even solid. They are. I think they're plate. Not my cup of tea. Okay. Next one I want to talk about is one of my favorite watches. I've sold a lot of these. I've had them. There's a Breitling that's made of titanium. It used to be called the Aerospace. And it's a battery operated watch with an analog face. And it has two windows in there. One of the windows is for timing functions. The other is for day and date. So it gives you information. Both these, these are big windows. The windows, there's one above six, one below twelve. And it's a thin watch because it's quartz, but it's for like pilots because you can easily do timing on it. You can, look at the, you can look at the time of day. You can do all kinds of stuff, elapsed time, all kinds of stuff. So it's not really for us. It's more a functional watch for pilots that need it. And in 2015, they came out with a bigger version of it called the Emergency, and it has a big a screw, like a screw knob on the side, you unscrew it and it sends out a sound beacon, a radio beacon to rescue you. So if you were trapped in the Antarctic or something, 
and you wanted to be rescued, you push the button and it would send out a radio signal and in would come the troops to come and get you. Now when I sold those, I told people, don't play with it. If you set off the beacon, there's a huge fine. If you really are not in trouble, $5,000 fine, I forgot what it is. $2,500, $5,000, expensive fine. If you don't need it and you're just testing it or something, don't test it. And I'm telling you all listening, don't test it if you get one of these. Okay, so the new version is called, I told you the emergency. Um, it has a beacon with a dual personal locator. And it's the first one in the world. Uh, it operates at 121.5 megahertz and 406 megahertz, thus meeting COSPIS SARSAT standards. The innovative dual-frequency microtransmitter is able to send distress beacon to rescuers on land, ships at sea, and airborne aircraft through the 121.5 megahertz frequency and satellite transmission through the 406 megahertz frequency. It's a very cool watch. It's big. It's uh, titanium with a bracelet. It's kind of it's a cool looking piece. It's very very piloty looking. Breitling has a long history of providing timepieces for the most extreme missions. The original emergency saved over 20 lives. Despite, it, despite its complex nature, Breitling designed the emergency to be especially simple to use. The ingenious dual antenna design deploys when the cap attached to the main antenna is unscrewed. Once the user extends it to the correct length, the second cap on the opposite side releases and automatically activates the transmitter. The emergency is also an electronic chronograph featuring all the functions useful to professionals and adventurers. 1224 analog and digital display, one hundredth of a second chronograph, alarm, timer, second time zone, multi multilingual calendar, battery end of life indication. It's equipped with a thermal compensated super quartz movement, uh, ten times more accurate than standard quartz. Right, let's stop for a second. Ten times more accurate than quartz. And regular quartz is accurate to a minute a year. This is ten times more accurate. And the chronometer is certified by the COSC, the Swiss Official Chronometer Testing Institute. The highest industry benchmark in terms of precision and reliability. It's a very fine watch. And they are not cheap, and they're very cool. I mean, to me, you have all these guys running around these huge watches, like um, the Audemars, the Royal Oak and all these, you know, Macho Man watches. This thing's real Macho Man. This is like you would wear as an explorer to the South Pole or the North Pole, for real. This is not a gag. This is a watch that is functional, truly functional. The one I'm looking at is a, a yellow dial. They used to have a silver dial on my head. I mean, I had one. I wore it. It was a great watch. It's very light because it's titanium. It's very strong because it's titanium. And it's made by Brighton which is a great brand since 1884. Great watch. So if you're in the market for any of that, I would definitely recommend it. Um, next one I'm going to talk about is a Tissot. It's called a T-Touch Expert Solar. So they're the newly announced official timekeeper of the NBA. Uh, the Expert Solar T-Touch is an update on the groundbreaking tactile watch line launched last year which was the first tactile watch to be powered by solar energy. And let's see what it does. 
In addition to technical accomplishment, the design of the new T-Touch Expert Solar is both sporty and edgy. Some models feature two-tone dials imitating the horizon line. The time display is spotlighted in the second color tone. Adventurers will love other extras like a leather Velcro bracelet that comes with extras like a leather... Oh, read that, sorry. <laughs> comes, comes with an extension making it easy to wear on top of climbing equipment. You know an extension is like on the diving watches where you have an extra link so it'll go around your wetsuit. They have something like that. They have an all-black version with rubber strap. There's 20 tactile essential functions for everyday use, such as perpetual calendar with indication of day and week number, two alarms, two time zones, weather forecast with pressure, altimeter, altimeter with, at it, with altitude forecast and relative pressure. God, I'm getting... <laughs> okay, so it's a cool-looking watch. It's a sport watch with a rubber strap. It has a metal case, a black turnable bezel with a, with a compass on the bezel, south, north, east, west, so on. It has a digital readout like the Breitling at 6 o'clock, and it has an analog, tape, analog face. So it's a very cool watch. Great. <laughs> Tissot is not one of my favorite brands. They're a lower brand, but they're still good. I mean, if you're going to wear something, they're good. <clears throat> okay, so that's about it for today, kitties. If you have anything you want to say, LeeJacksonWatches at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Been a pleasure. Be careful of the Japanese Japan scam. Be careful. I'm warning you because I know someone's going to write me and say, Oh, I got hit. So don't do that. Not a great idea. I mean, try not to if you can. Um, been a pleasure. If there's anything else to say, then say it, baby. Say it. Say it, say it, say it. Okay. I'm signing off. Have a great day. See you later.